0: People, especially adults, are creatures of habit who can easily get into ruts of routine. And when this happens, they lose their childlike sense of wonder. Most of us learn best by personal experience and not so much by listening to others. In fact, it is rare when someone who does not have a personal passion about a subject can hear and act upon what people share on that subject. Speaking of passions and subjects, most of you know I do not have a passion for fashion, but moving on from there. In other words, we really tend to tune people out unless they are talking about our own personal interests, what grabs us. And this explains, I think, in part, in America today, why people do not get excited about the story of Jesus. By the way, Debbie told me in her activities in the dementia unit, she's going to sing, tell me the story of Jesus this morning for Easter. Now, who could believe that God could be born, if people even believe in God anymore, a human baby boy and live a perfect life? It's like kind of insane. But it really happened. Some 2,000 years ago, when Jesus the Savior walked on this earth, teaching people about God and his ways, and he did miracles for needy people, but the self-righteous religious people of his day were scandalized that he would show love for all people, even enemies. And that he especially loved the poor, the widows, the orphans, the foreigners, and sinners who turned to him seeking, seeking his forgiveness and help. But most amazing and painful to his followers, he, God's son, allowed people to crucify him on the day of Passover that day when God had rescued his people from centuries of physical bondage. No one knew at that time that he willingly offered his lifeblood to cover over their sins. And then after most people rested and worshiped on the Sabbath day, following his death, he rose from the dead on the first day, of the week. And our text from Matthew this morning says that he first first revealed himself alive again to two women. Now in 1st century Rome women were excluded from civic and political functions. They could not vote or represent themselves in court. They were therefore considered, not considered actually, not considered reliable witnesses. They couldn't testify. And yet God chose these two women to be the first witnesses of his resurrection. So this is amazing. Have you ever really thought that Jesus reveals his life to women first? Well, with this background, let's examine our good news scripture passages for this morning. We'll start in Matthew. First of all, we're told two female followers of Jesus came to look at the grave. And an angel knows they are seeking Jesus who was crucified. So let's look at it word for word, line by line. But. After the Sabbath, it was becoming dawn of the first day of the week. Mary Magdalena and the other Mary came to look at the grave. It says, after the Sabbath. Now, if you look back up to after the crucifixion in chapter 27, you will see that the chief priest, who should have known better, worked with Pilate. On the Sabbath day, the day after the crucifixion, because the sun had set to guard the tomb. But these two women rested and worshiped God on the Sabbath. They waited till Sabbath was over, and it was sunrise on the first day of the week. Now, I did a lot of reading about the two Marys, not only Mary Magdalene, where the Bible says only that seven demons were cast out of her. I don't know where this story about her being a prostitute came from, but usually people that are demonized and desperate do fall into that. But the other Mary, Mary Clopas' wife, I actually have a whole page of stuff I printed out about her. We know from scriptures that she was the mother of one of the 12 apostles. She was the mother of James the Lesser. So these are the two women, and out of love for Jesus, they visit his grave just to look at it at their first opportunity, sunrise of the first day of the week. And then it says, Behold, and it was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, having descended from heaven and come, rolled the stone away and was sitting on it, and his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. So what do we get here? Now, this is just an interesting thing. The word used in scripture, the Greek word for earthquake is seismos. I think you recognize it. You know, I read someplace else that English steals words from every language. It's not a proud language. The angel rolled the stone away after the earthquake. Now, the earthquake was for the guards as well as the angel coming down. And there's two metaphors here. Lightning, which is for a thunderstorm, and snowfall. And these are two opposite seasons of the year. And I was going to say it never happens, but I've learned about thundersnow recently. But it's rare. It's rare. And then we're told the guards were shaken with fear. But the angel said to the women, you must not be afraid. Jesus, who has been crucified, you're seeking. Now, again, word for word, from fear of him, those guarding the quake had become like dead men, like dead men. They're literally scared to death. First, the earthquake, then, this angel rolling away the stone. You know, they didn't die, but they were close to it, they were frightened. But the angel answered, having answered, so he must have said something to the guards, then we're told, he said to the women, you must not be fearing you. For I know that Jesus who has been crucified, you are seeking. So, the Roman soldiers feared, but the angel emphatically tells Jesus' female followers. They must not be afraid. So he begins and ends with you. And in the middle, he says, don't be afraid. Now, they had seen Jesus crucified on Friday, but it's now the third day since. And it's the beginning of a new week and actually a new age of grace. And then the angel had talked about their seeking him. You see against all logic, They had come to look at the grave in hope, in hope of doing something for the one that they knew had loved them powerfully, that they needed. And now they were just trying to do something to say thank you. And then the second half, we find that he is risen just as he said. The women depart with fear and joy, and then behold, Jesus met them, and they worship him, And then he sends them to his brothers so that they him will see. So the the, the first part has to do with he's risen from the dead. And then the women quickly depart with fear and great joy to tell his disciples. So again, let's go through it verse by verse, line by line. The angel continues to speak. And he says, he is not being here. For he is risen, just as he said, as we were singing that song. I couldn't think. It's word for word scripture. Just as he said, come, you must see the place where he was lying. Now, this verb is he has been raised, meaning he's already been resurrected. Before sunrise, he was risen, but he is still raised from the dead, still Even at this moment, this is truly good news. Now, let's do some cross-referencing here. Jesus has said in the upper room, in John's gospel, this is reported, greater love has no man than this, that one will lay down his life for his friends. But earlier, this is what the angel is referring to. He had also said, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. You see, this is the whole point of the three-day Passover weekend in 30 AD. Jesus died for us that our sins might be forgiven. And he rose for us that we may have life that is right here and right now. We don't have to wait for it. Life that is eternal, abundant, and with eternal purpose. And if you have one of those outlines in the bulletin, you can look up all the verses later. And then quickly, after being led, you must tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead, and behold, he's going before you to Galilee. And there him you will see. Behold, I have told you. So these are the last words of the angel. The angel tells the two women named Mary to tell Jesus' disciples Of his resurrection. And then he tells them that they must also direct his disciples, the 11 disciples that remain, to go to Galilee, which was about 90 miles north of there, to see him there. I have told you. So God's messenger sends them away with these words I. As a messenger of God, speaking for God, I have told you. So now he leaves the scene, and then having quickly departed the tomb, with fear and great joy, they ran to report his resurrection to his disciples. Notice here, and I know I've had this experience sometimes, and it's wonderful. Notice the mixed emotions over this unexpected good news. They're afraid to believe that anything so wonderful, anything so wonderful can be true. And also, though, they have great joy because it is just as he said. They're now remembering. They're now beginning to believe. This is both awesome and Grateful, They have awe mixed with gratitude. And I think God would like us to always be in that state as much as we can. So they run to the 11 with this extremely good report that God's messenger has just given them. Jesus is alive. And then we're told, behold, Jesus meets them and they worship him. And then Jesus says they must take word to his brothers that they will leave into Galilee, where there, me, they will see. Again, let's just go through these last verses of our Matthew passage. Behold, Jesus says to them, greetings. That's a common way of in, uh, meeting each other. And then having come to him, they took hold of his feet and worshiped him. So he meets them and he greets them. And now for the fourth time in our narrative, we have this word, behold. You know, I don't know, but if you're like me, when you're kind of tired or distracted, the mind wanders. And this word, behold, is like, wake up. I need you to give this full attention. Behold, Jesus greets them. And this is so important. He meets the women with a... Well, this isn't so important, but that's an informal way of greeting. And it actually comes from the word grace. That's important. But we need to also realize... And I think it's even important now, even though women have a greater place in society than they did 2,000 years ago. It was scandalous at the time that Jesus revealed his life to women, first of all, not men. But, you know, God is the God of surprise. The surprise. And if we've lived long enough, he's surprised us. I already told you how the Romans had little regard for women. And it would be inconceivable to people in the Roman Empire of that day that women would be chosen to be the first witnesses to the resurrection, but not to God. He is the God of surprise, and he turns all human expectations upside down and on their head. And now the women, they weren't thinking of any of this. They now see Jesus. And they simply and humbly worshiped the one they loved, who they had feared was dead. And now they see him alive. And then Jesus said to him, not you must be afraid. You must go. You must take word to my brothers that they may leave to Galilee and there me they will see. So now it's not just the angel, but Jesus is telling these women not to be afraid. And then he sends them just as the angel did, but this double witness with more power because it comes from Jesus to his disciples, calling these disciples brothers, even Peter after his failure. And Jesus revealed himself alive to women first. This is just speculation on my part, but I think he knew these two and he trusted them to bring this message to the 11. But let us never forget, if you've not considered this before, please let's plant it in all of our hearts. He revealed his life first, to women. And then he says, and after they told the disciples he was alive, then he says, tell them to meet me at Galilee. And then he gives this wonderful good news, me they will see. You know, there is no greater blessing in life than to see God. And I've put it on the back of your bulletins, and you might want to sometime this week read Psalm 17 because it talks about the blessing of being in God's presence. So you see, anyone who approaches God by acknowledging that he needs to be saved from himself and believes that Jesus died to forgive him of his sins then confesses them to God and asks for forgiveness because he believes Jesus took his death sentence on himself when he died on the cross. That one will be forgiven, adopted into God's family by grace, and then receive Jesus' resurrection life. This life is eternal, abundant, and with grace purpose. This is what Good Friday and Easter are all about. Now, let's go and look at this messianic psalm written so many years before Jesus come that describes this moment perfectly. Psalm 118, a worshiper that Yahweh has saved gives thanks because the stone the builders rejected had become the head of the corner, and it's wonderful. Now, the structure of this passage, there's three verses spoken by an individual worshiper, and the last three are spoken by the whole congregation of worshipers. So I'll go through these poetic half lines one at a time. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will enter through them. I will give thanks to Yah. This is the gate of Yahweh. The righteous will enter through it. So we have um, four half lines or two full lines about gates, the entrances into the temple courtyard, the place where God dwelled, especially in Israel. But only those who are righteous and without sin may enter the place where God Dwells. Continuing, I will give thanks to thee for thou hast answered me, and thou hast become to me salvation salvation. Now, an individual with a heart before God that is desiring to be righteous by faith in order to enter God's presence, he is thanking God for answering him and becoming his salvation. Hundreds of years before Jesus came to earth, And this is exactly what Jesus did for whoever will come to him in humble, defendant faith. Depending on him, his crucifixion, and his resurrection, that is for me. That is for me. Continuing now, they all say together, the stone which those building rejected, it has become the head of the corner. So again, this was all fulfilled. The Gospels tell us that the chief priests rejected Jesus out of a jealous desire to be like God rather than being content with being the ones who helped God's people to become righteous before him by the Torah that had been given through Moses. So, a sub theme running through this that is the, the, the heart of Good Friday is proud leaders had rejected the righteous one. So, the head of the corner. Now, after his resurrection, so the crucifixion and resurrection are both in this Psalm 118. Jesus is the head of God's new people, the church. And then he has come to be from Yahweh. Or this, all of this. I'm sorry, not he. This has come to be from Yahweh, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Now, as I began to learn the biblical languages and and look at lexicons and stuff, this particular word wonderful is extremely rare in Scripture. It is never used of humans or a human activity Only extreme acts of God are called wonderful. One of them over and over again is his creation. Remember, he said everything was good when he was done creating. And another big one is the delivery of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. But I submit that the death and resurrection of Jesus is even more wonderful Because he didn't do it for one people. He did it for every ethnic group on the whole earth, all of planet earth. That is truly wonderful. And then concluding the passage we're looking at, this is the day Yahweh has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, here's something totally new. Because Jesus was resurrected on the first day of the week, his church changed the day of worship, the one day in seven, from the seventh day of the week to the first day of the week. And we meet on the first day to forever remember his resurrection, which occurred on the first day. Now, uh, I was a math major, and this appeals to my math mind. There are many people who will claim that actually he was raised on the eighth day, which indicates something brand new and beyond. So like if you only go to seven like the week, well, eight is the beginning of a whole new week. And when Jesus rose on that eighth day, he started something brand new. It was a culmination of all that came before in something new pointing on to eternity. So that's the scripture. Now I'm over 68 years old. I'm a couple of months from my next birthday and people my age who were brought up in church may have heard these truths about Jesus and people some 55 times or more. But the bottom line is, we've heard it again today, and what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do? You see, just mentally assenting to these truths is not enough and even surrendering our lives to God in Jesus, in humble, dependent, obedient faith. We must, not, we must realize this is not a once-and-done proposition. I've met some people who seem to be just living for themselves, and I tell them about Jesus, I say, Oh, yeah, I did that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. That's not enough. That's not what it's about. You see, God desires that all of us live surrendered lives of faithful obedience to him every hour of our lives from now until when we meet him face to face. That's God's heart. So if you have never made that kind of continuous forever commitment to God in Jesus, today is the day To make it. And for those of us who have tried to make that commitment, and we all know how hard it is to live it out, today is the day to renew that commitment because of Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. And all I'm going to say is, after we conclude the last song, I'm going to stay right here if anybody wants to talk about what do we do about this awesome truth of Jesus' resurrection. So to wrap it up at dawn, two Marys come to the tomb to see it. Having rested on the Sabbath, and then after a great earthquake that scared the Roman guards almost to death, an angel speaks to them, these women, and says, Do not be afraid. Jesus, whom you are seeking, has risen from the dead, just as he said. And then he sends them to Jesus' disciples. And they go from the tomb and the angel with extreme and opposite emotions of fear and joy. And then behold, Jesus himself meets them, and they worship him. And then he sends them to Galilee. And all of this was predicted in a messianic psalm written hundreds of years earlier. Now, this isn't everything. There's a whole lot more to it. But how amazing that Jesus revealed his life, his full life to women first.